Father, I pray as we as we've come together in your presence this morning, I pray that you would help us open our hearts, open our minds to the power of your word, not not the words of this feeble preacher, the words that come from my mouth necessarily, but the words that you intend for your people to hear. God, I pray, bring the Word before them as they open the Scriptures with me, as we open the Scriptures together. God, I pray, teach them, speak to them, convict them. Lord, I pray that You would help us, each one, to examine our hearts before Your Word today as if we were looking in a mirror that would reflect the things in our lives that need to be brought into alignment with Your Word. Just as the Word says, it would be foolish for us to look in a mirror and then make no changes that need to be made. Lord, help us to look into the mirror of Your Word. Take the the powerful Word that You've given us and use it in our hearts and minds and souls to equip us to be Christ-like in the week ahead for Your glory, that the Gospel might be advanced in this community and in other communities and elsewhere. For your glory, Lord, today we come together and open the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2? 2 Timothy chapter 2. We've been studying together these first seven verses in the second chapter of 2 Timothy. And I want to read them once again to you this morning. And I hope you'll follow along in your copy of God's Word, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. You then, you then, my child, Paul writes to Timothy, his child in the faith, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. We've seen here in these first seven verses of 2 Timothy chapter 2 that Paul was encouraging Timothy toward being strong in the faith. Remember, Paul is imprisoned. This is the last letter we have from Paul before he will be beheaded. Many believe he was beheaded for believing and preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we think that this letter was likely written just days or weeks before this, before his life was taken from him for the cause of Christ. And so when Paul is very serious in helping his young son in the faith be strong and be a strong believer and be a faithful believer, And we've seen here that Paul is encouraging and he is challenging and he is giving a charge to Timothy 
And we even see in verse 7, he does not want him to forget it. He wants him to, to meditate on what he's been teaching him and think these things over. He's not done and we're not done, but we're in chapter 2 in these first seven verses where we've been seeing Paul giving this charge to Timothy and reminding him of, of what a strong Christian should look like and how a strong Christian lives and a person who wants to be a strong believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and faithful to the end will be like these things that he points to in these first seven verses. We've, we've also seen in this passage, as Paul pointed out, that the Christian who is strong not only will be like the teacher that he points to in verse 2, Remember in verse 2 he said, And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And we noted that those, who, are, those who, who teach need to be taught, right? And so you need to be willing to be taught, and that, that includes all of us. We all need to be willing to be taught, and I'm thankful that you're here this morning, which I hope is an indicator that you're willing to be taught by God's Word. And so it's a good first step. And if you didn't come here for that purpose this morning, I hope you're, you're being redirected right now. Now we're here to learn from God's Word, right? And we need God's Word. And we talked about it this morning as we spoke in the Sunday school hour. God's Word is completely sufficient for every one of life's issues. And if you don't believe that, I'm praying that God will convince you of that truth this morning as we look at the Word together because God's Word is very helpful for every one of life's issues. We've seen in this passage that, that those whom God has called and saved he also wants to lead and teach others and to be faithful and serve. He wants each one of us, if you're a follower of Christ, He wants you to be a faithful servant. He wants you to serve Him. And in your service, He wants you to teach. And that, need, that means you need to be teachable. And so I hope you're teachable. As Paul pointed to Timothy and pointed to those whom Timothy was to look for, who would be teachable, who could also teach others to be faithful and to serve. And then we find Paul pointed to the Christian who is like the faithful soldier. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that the faithful Christian, the Christian who would be strong, is, is much like the faithful soldier. And what do we know about faithful soldiers? And what we know about faithful soldiers is, is probably very vivid to us, isn't it? Because of the days in which we live in the last several years, our soldiers and sailors and airmen and marines have been before our eyes constantly in the news, right? And we see many of them giving their lives for the freedoms that we enjoy, and so that others might enjoy those freedoms as well. And I am very grateful for those who serve in our armed forces. We come to this Memorial Day weekend, and we, are, we ought to be grateful, we ought to be reminded of the freedoms that we enjoy because of those who have given and paid the price with their blood and their lives so that we might enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy in this country, right? And I'm so thankful for them this Memorial Day weekend and at all times. And Paul points to the faithful soldier who is willing to do what? Endure suffering? Right? Endure hardship. Maybe the ultimate endurance. Give your life for those whom you're trying to gain liberties for. And Paul points to the faithful soldier and he says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. We learned and we're reminded the follower of Christ who wants to be faithful and strong to the end is going to be like the soldier who is willing to give it all and give it everything that they have so that others might enjoy freedom, right? But, but the freedom that the followers of Christ have to share with the world is far different than the freedom that, that our soldiers and sailors and airmen and marines pay the price so that we might enjoy. As much as we enjoy the freedoms that we do in the United States and as much as we are thankful for those who have gone and given their lives for those freedoms, 
As followers of Christ, we need to be reminded that the message that we have to share with the world is is even more important and even more life-transforming than the freedoms that we enjoy temporarily here on earth. You realize the freedoms that that we have have because of uh, because we're Americans are just temporary freedoms and even those can be taken like that, right? If if your life is taken from you, you no longer have the freedom to to enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy as Americans. But what Paul is pointing to and what Paul is pointing Timothy to and what Paul is pointing the church to because this is God's inspired word for the church. This is for us today is that faithful followers of Jesus Christ will be like the long-suffering soldier who goes to battle with one purpose, to win, right? To win and to come back alive. But if he can't come back alive, he will give his life to win, right? And followers of the Lord Jesus Christ need to come to their life in Christ with this single-mindedness, this kind of focus that we would be willing to endure hardship severe hardship, severe persecution even, so that others might hear the gospel and enjoy eternal freedom. Heavenly freedom, right? The freedom that is imperishable, incorruptible, because we are made new in Christ, and we have a heavenly home awaiting us in all of eternity. And that is the freedom that God's people have to share with a world that desperately needs to hear that message. And so Paul says to Timothy, share in suffering, verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The Father of, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is faithful and strong, will be like that soldier who's willing to endure hardship. Now you might be hearing me talk about hardship and suffering and persecution as followers of Christ. And you might think, well, you know, why, why should we have to do that? Why should we have to face hardship? And, and why should we, would we need to be prepared for that? What are you talking about? Persecution and suffering. I mean, God's word says that all of those who desire to live godly life in Christ will be persecuted. 2 Timothy 3.12. Later in 2 Timothy, Paul reminds Timothy, don't forget, Timothy, you need to be like the good soldier who's, who's willing to endure hardship And then he says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It won't be any different today for those who follow Christ. If you stand for Christ in the workplace, and young people, if you stand for Christ where you go to school, and in your neighborhood with your friends, and you all have neighbors, right? If you stand for Christ in your neighborhood and in the workplace and where you do business, Businessmen, those who who do business, if you stand for what the Bible says when you do business, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb, right? Because that's not what this culture is about. This culture is about taking care of yourself, taking care of number one and doing whatever it takes to, to do so. But the Bible says something far different. It says that the the person who desires to live for Jesus Christ should be ready to endure suffering and hardship for the cause of Christ. Because what you're going to live is going to go completely against the grain of the society in which you live. And like a good soldier, like good soldiers, must be willing to suffer as they faithfully serve and fulfill their duty. Much more so will the strong Christian be willing to suffer for the cause of Christ because they have a life-changing message to share with the world.
willing to suffer for Christ's sake. The strong Christian will be single-minded in their purpose, devoted fully to the Lord for the sake of the gospel. Now these pictures that we're seeing here in these first seven verses, these pictures of the strong Christian aren't simply examples. Let me just warn you, in case you're thinking this, these, these examples aren't just for the person who says, well, yeah, I'm a Christian and I want to go just a little bit further than the next Christian. I just want to go a little bit further and be a little bit more devoted. It's not just for the select few who say, yeah, I want to be among those people who just give a little bit extra effort. This is for all of us. These examples are for all of God's children. So if you call yourself a child of God today, these are for each of us in the church, no matter how or where we function as a member of the body of Christ. And we are a diverse body, aren't we? The body of Christ is diverse. We are many and varied in the ways that we serve, which is just by God's design. It's just what this community needs, and the community from which you come from needs just, just needs to, to serve the gospel of those who need to hear it. A diverse body of believers who will come together and all look at these illustrations and say, yes, that's for me. Yes, this is the person that I need to be. I need to be like that soldier who is long-suffering, ready to endure hardship. And the others, uh, the other images that we see here that Paul gives Timothy. Our last time together, we also saw that a strong Christian ought to be like an athlete. An athlete. And we noted that like an athlete, the strong Christian will be one who is obedient, you know, plays by the rules, right? He'll be a Christian who goes to God's Word and is obedient to God's Word. And is disciplined. An athlete can't win the prize without being disciplined ahead of time and preparing himself and also one who competes. And for the believer, that means participate, serve, serve God faithfully. And so you need to be obedient and disciplined and you need to serve like the athlete. And remember that Paul has been building on what he stated at the beginning of chapter 2. He's building on that that statement at the beginning of chapter 2. He's pointing to the strengths seen in the life of the believer because because of the grace of God that enables those to serve faithfully, gives strength to those who will serve faithfully for God's glory. In verse 1 it says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Remember, what I'm calling you to is a supernatural work as well. It takes some commitment on your part. It takes commitment on your part to be willing to endure hardship like the soldier, to endure long suffering and hardship, even give your life for the cause of Christ. And like the athlete, it takes obedience and discipline, and you need to compete, you need to participate, you need to serve. It takes some commitment on your part, but there's also a work that the Holy Spirit does. It's also a supernatural work of God in you, giving you the strength to do these things. So yes, it takes commitment on your part, but don't ever forget verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because those who are enabled by God's grace will be able to serve as Paul did. You might look at Paul's life throughout the New Testament and think, oh man, I could never serve like Paul did. I could never do what Paul was called to. He suffered. I would disagree. Because the Holy Spirit that indwelt Paul indwells you too if you're God's child. The same Holy Spirit that empowered Paul to stand and face severe persecution and even beheading can give you strength to face the hardships that you face as a follower of Jesus Christ when you are faithful to His Word. Just listen to 1 Corinthians 15.10. Paul is a prime example of this, and he writes, 1 Corinthians 15.10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. 
Paul says, it's by, by God's grace that I'm able to be strong. It's by grace, God's grace that I'm able to serve. He says it another way, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Is is Paul saying he doesn't have any strength? He's not. He says, when I'm weak... Then the Lord strengthens me. When I put off self and put on Christ, then I get God's strength. Know how, how He is weak in self and strong by God's grace. And I'm here to remind you as we point back to verse 1 here, this is for all of God's children. By God's grace, you can be strengthened to live just as Paul challenged Timothy to live, just as Paul challenges the church, just as the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these so that we would be challenged and encouraged today. You can live like this because it's by God's grace through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And He takes the Word and equips you when you go to His Word and you faithfully yield yourself before His Word and His Spirit. It is by God's grace at work in us when we're faithful to God that He grows us and gives us the strength that we see here in our passage in 2 Timothy. This morning we see another picture of the strong Christian in the image that Paul gives us of the hard-working farmer, he says in verse 6. Look at it with me, verse 6. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Now Paul reminds Timothy here that it's the hard-working, it's the, it's the diligent farmer that enjoys the fruit of his labor. It's that farmer who labors and toils long hours that, that will enjoy Produce will will enjoy the fruit of his labor. That's the same truth we're reminded of in Proverbs, and it's not only true of earthly farmers who, who farm for earthly produce that we feed our bodies with. It's also true spiritually. When applied spiritually, it's true. Listen to Proverbs ten five. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. I mean, just think of this in light of the truth that the one who is diligent, the one who is hardworking in their spiritual life, the one who is prudent in their spiritual life is, is called wise. But the opposite is also true according to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. Why is it that a person who is a sluggard tries to plow in autumn and there's nothing to plow and tries to harvest in autumn and there's nothing to harvest. Why is it? Because he hasn't planted. He hasn't prepared the soil. He hasn't placed the seed. He hasn't cared for the soil and fertilized the soil and cared for the plants. There's nothing to harvest. I want to put this in a spiritual light for you as you think this morning about being like the hardworking farmer who enjoys the, the first fruits of the produce. If you call yourself a follower of Christ and yet you neglect the Scriptures which God has graciously given us, and if you neglect prayer, which we desperately need, if we neglect the ministry of the Holy Spirit in yielding to the Spirit as we read the Word and we pray, if you fail to, let me just put it in the the farmer's technology if I can, if you fail to prepare the soil, the soil of your soul, your heart, 
if you fail to plant the seed of God's Word in, in the soil of your heart, if you fail to cover that seed and then to tend to that seed by constantly going back to God's Word and going to God's Word in prayer, yielding yourself to Him, there's going to be a day when you're going to go looking for a harvest. If you refuse to do those kinds of things daily in your life, there's going to be a day when you go to look for a spiritual harvest, when you desperately need a spiritual harvest. You're going to face a time when you're facing a severe hardship or trial. And if you haven't faithfully worked and been diligent like the hardworking farmer with the soil of your soul and with the seed of God's Word and fertilize that soil with prayer and with yieldedness before God's Word and prayer, you're going to go for a harvest one day and there's not going to be a harvest. You're going to have a desperate time in your life when you need the power that Christ promises you in His Word if you'll yield to His Word and you're not going to have His power because you haven't seeded the soil and tended the soil and cared for the soil of your soul. So if we wish to be strong Christians and we wish to be diligent and faithful in our daily living for Christ, we do well to pay attention to Paul's instruction here. Watch his illustrations here. We see here first this truth, that the diligent farmer is hardworking. You realize that, right? You know this to be true. The diligent farmer is hardworking. Work on a farm is hard work, and it is never done, correct? How many of you have ever worked on a farm? Many of you, okay? So you know. My, my uh, grandfather, my dad's dad, bought a farm late in life, and, and for 20 years, uh, toward the end of his life, he farmed, and he worked full-time, and he pastored the church. I don't know how he did it, but we loved going to the farm and seeing him work the soil and tend to the, the cattle and um, Hanover, it was a small farm, about 120 acres or so, but he had, he had crops and he had cattle and he cared for them diligently and he cared for his equipment. I know this to be true, that that farmer who would like to have produce and who would like to grow healthy cattle will have to work hard. It's like the farmer who said the only, th- the only thing about farming is that the cows never stay milked, Right? They never stay much. It's not like a one-time thing. Malcolm, and you're done. You got to go back every day, right? Farming is no easy task. If the if the farmer wants to have a return on his investment in property and equipment and seed, he's got to put forth the effort to maintain that property, right? He's got to work hard. He's got to take care of the property. He can't let it go to go to seed, right? He's got to take care of that property. He's got to till the soil. He also has to invest. He has to invest in equipment and maintain the equipment. He also has to invest in seed and feed, right? If he's got cattle, he's got to buy feed to invest in the cattle. He's got to buy seed for the soil. He has to properly plant it, right, and till the soil and plant the seed and care for the seed and and even fertilize the crops for a maximum return for a bountiful harvest. And that's just what the diligent hard-working farmer can expect. He can expect a wonderful harvest, great produce, right, if he puts in the hard work of farming. And Paul says it's that kind of farmer, the diligent hard worker, who should have the first share of the crops. Now think about how that works for us spiritually. How do you enjoy the first share of the crops spiritually? In this way, the strong Christian will be like the diligent hardworking farmer. The strong Christian... Or the, or the believer who intends to be strong and desires to be faithful to the end, day by day, living for Christ faithfully, that strong Christian is going to be one who prepares the soil of his heart and then prayerfully yields his heart before the Lord, yields his mind before God's Word. He prepares himself with prayer. 
And he, and he expects a bountiful harvest because God is faithful. God promises a harvest to those who are, who are not slothful, right? For those who seek to be shaped by God's word, there will be a bountiful harvest. Now, how does that work for us spiritually? Here's how it works. I think the faithful, strong Christian who is equipping himself with God's word so that he can lead others is first led by God's Word Himself, right? If we come to the Word so that we can teach others, if you might, you might have a Sunday school class, you might teach, you might lead a Bible study, or, or even preach. If you prepare to do any of those things with God's Word without the attitude of, Lord, show me your truth, help me to be changed by your truth, you're wasting your time. Because so many times when, when we have those who teach and lead and preach, those who do the studies for those are so often encouraged and equipped and even get far greater things than the person they're teaching or the people they're teaching. It should be true of those who prepare to teach the Word, whether it's for sharing the Bible in Bible study or for teaching a Sunday school class or for preaching in a service, that those who are doing the preparation ought to, ought to receive some of the blessings of their hard work. I often experience that in my own studies of the scriptures. I'm so thankful for the privilege that I have. I don't like admitting, I don't like admitting it because I don't want you to, 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 uh, to change anything necessarily. I, I can't believe I actually get paid to study the Bible. I'm not saying you should quit paying me, but, but I can't believe that I'm privileged to actually study, to, 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 to receive a lot, uh, um, provision for sustaining my family from studying the Word. And yet, there's far more produce than the actual pay I receive. It's the actual, the actual blessing, the actual produce that I get from God's Word. I often find this when I come to God's Word. I regularly experience it myself as I prepare to preach and teach God's Word. I often have a, a very wonderful time of fellowship with God and His Word. As I, as I find myself in the Word, sometimes I lose track of time. And sometimes mealtimes come and I say, just, just go ahead without me. I'm, I'm, I'm working on something here. Right? Because when we get into the Word, this ought to be true of us, that things that are earthly become far less important than knowing what God's Word says and then living it out. And, and it ought to be true of you. If you're equipping yourself, I hope that it's true of you, that you're, you desire, you're desirous of serving God, as we saw Timothy being reminded by Paul, that he ought to search out those who would be taught so that they could teach others. I would, I would hope, is my prayer, that God's church would be filled with people who are learning so that they can teach others with their example, whether they have a class or not to teach, but yet that we all would go to God's Word. And as we go to God's Word, we would search for the truths that we might share with others. And as we search for those truths, we find them and we dig deep and God builds us up and we find great, great reward for having done so. That's how I think the diligent, faithful Christian receives some of the first fruits of the produce of the, of the investment of his effort in studying God's Word and being faithful to God's Word. It should be very true of us who go to the Word to teach others that we first, first receive some of the benefit, sometimes maybe more so than those to whom we preach and teach. There is great reward for the one who is diligent and hardworking when studying God's Word. I would encourage you to open God's Word and read. If you haven't got a reading, a Bible reading plan, I would suggest you get a Bible reading plan. I'd love to help you find one. We've got several to choose from. If you need a study Bible that would help you study the Word, I'd be helpful. I'd be happy to help you find one that would match your needs. 
There is great reward for those who are diligent and hardworking when studying God's Word. John MacArthur writes that the word here for hardworking, he notes, does not stress the amount of work. It doesn't stress the amount of work, but rather the effort. A man's reward from God is proportional to the excellence of his ministry and the effort he puts into it. Excellence combined with diligence mark a man worthy of the highest honor. Be diligent to read God's Word for yourself, to study God's Word for yourself, to be moved and challenged and equipped with God's Word for your, for your own well-being spiritually, but also for the spiritual well-being of others. How wonderful it is when we yield ourselves faithfully before God's Word, taking in His truth, soaking in His truth, saturating our hearts and minds with His truth so that we can be changed by it for God's glory and so that we might help equip others with the truth so that they might be changed by it for God's glory. Faithful, hardworking, searching out the Word of truth ourselves. I'm so thankful when people come and and, and say, I have a question about this in the Bible. I'm happy to help study that and find the answers and help help point to the answers. Well, how wonderful it is when I hear that, that you're digging deep, even on your own, and going deep into God's Word and, and searching for the answers yourselves. I love helping people find the answers, but I love even more helping people learn how to find the answers and to look into God's truth and to study for yourselves the Word of God. It's not too hard for us. Uh, I... I want to be very careful that I don't ever lead you to believe that that you can't study the Bible for yourselves. You can't. You should. You must. You must read God's Word. It's a long time between now and next Sunday. I only get about 30, maybe 45, or 50. You didn't know I sometimes preach 50 minutes, do you? You've never paid attention. Just forget I said that. Sometimes I get 50 minutes to preach. Rarely, right? That's it. To, to preach the Word. You need the Word in your life daily, and you need to get the Word in your life yourself, and you need to learn how to do that. One of the blessings of God's grace when we yield ourselves before His Word is the blessing of much needed, and we desperately need this in our day and age. We, we need discernment. And I would suggest that discernment is seeing the world through the eyes of the Bible. Seeing Seeing the, the world through the lens of Scripture, it's like when you put on, I don't know, you ever put on colored sunglasses like pink or yellow or something like that, and boy, things really change. That's what the Scriptures ought to do for us. We ought to know God's Word so well that when we look at the world and we look at daily life situations, we see them through the lenses of Scripture. And so we understand what God would have us do because we know His Word. And His Spirit has equipped us with His Word. Oswald Chambers says that the worker has to have discernment like that of the farmer. That is, he must know how to watch, how to wait, and how to work with wonder. The farmer does not wait with folded arms, but with intense activity. He keeps at it industriously until the harvest. And like that hardworking farmer, we ought to be keeping at it daily until the harvest. We are to work like hardworking farmers. We must learn to work with discernment. Learning as God teaches through His Word and with His Spirit how best to use our time, how best to use what God has gifted us with, how best to use what God has lent to us. Really, everything you have is is on loan from God. And if you didn't know that, don't be surprised. I hope you're not shocked today, but everything you have is being lent to you by God to use for His glory. It is a stewardship He has entrusted to you. 
We often pray as a church that God would give us wisdom to use what He has entrusted to us. We are very grateful and thankful for how God has blessed us as a church, but we want to be very wise in how we invest in eternal things for the for the sake of the gospel to needy sinners and what He has blessed us with. And the same should be for true of you in your in your life in the life of your family. Look at the things that God has blessed you with. Pray and ask God how He can give you wisdom and discernment and how to use those things for His glory so that others might know Christ. But we must serve. We must be faithful. We must be diligent. There's no room for laziness in God's family. There's no room for laziness in the life of a believer. We must labor for the Lord. Why? Well, because of reminders like we have, the ones we have in uh, Matthew 9, in verses 37 and 38, we're reminded that the harvest is plentiful. There is a great need for those who will labor. Jesus, speaking to His disciples, reminded them the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. It's not like we're looking around thinking, boy, there's nothing for us to harvest. If we don't see the harvest, we need to go find it. As followers of Christ, we need to be so god centered and scripture saturated that we can't help but be joyful about the wonderful truth of the Lord Jesus Christ that's changed us. And so as we go out into our lives daily and weekly, we have opportunities to rub up against people who need Jesus Christ and they need to see us living for Christ. They need to see the joy of the Lord flowing from our lives. And when we do, we're going to find that there's an opportunity for harvest, a great harvest. Just drive around. Go for a drive this afternoon and look and see how many people you see in your neighborhood who need Christ. Think about the people you work with. You go to school with young people. People need Christ. The harvest is plentiful, but but there's a need for workers. There's no room for laziness in the life of a believer. As we compare the faithfulness of a believer to the hardworking farmer. We're not talking about raising food for the nourishment of our bodies. We're talking about the produce that we gather relating to eternal life. And that, that produce is eternal, right? The produce we gather for the raising to eternal life, those who, whom we point to Christ, who realize the truth of God's Word applies to them. They're sinners in need of a Savior. They confess their sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's eternal produce those who would turn to Christ and be saved. That's why we serve. That's why God has placed us here. And we don't compare ourselves to the farmer because we go out and grow crops. We compare ourselves to the farmer because the farmer is diligent and there's produce. And for those who are diligent and faithful and hardworking, there will be produce. There will be people's lives changed because we've been faithful. And like the farmer, the Christian who desires strength for serving Christ will be hardworking We note, too, the diligent farmer is motivated. Now, why is the farmer motivated? Why is the diligent farmer motivated? Well, because there are going to be crops, right? It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. The hardworking farmer is motivated, we've already noted, because he will be, he will be a beneficiary of the produce, right? He's going to benefit because there is produce. Because he's worked hard, and the faithful Christian ought to be motivated to know and obey God's Word because... That faithful Christian will gain great benefit from doing so personally? Yes. There's going to be produce. We're motivated because personally we will benefit from having been filled with the Spirit, with the Word equipping us, 
giving us strength to live, to face hardship, to face difficulty, yes. But the fact remains that the crops the farmer labors to produce are to benefit more than just the farmer himself and the farmer's family. The crops we labor to produce as God's followers go far beyond our own personal benefits. The Christian will also be motivated to labor diligently for the reason that when we do labor for Christ's sake, our labors are not in vain. Our labors are not in vain. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15.58 where Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now, I read that passage and sometimes I think, well, why did Paul say that? Why does he say, work hard, be steadfast, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why is he encouraging us to be faithful and to abound in the work of the Lord? Is it possible that we might labor to know the Word ourselves and labor to teach the Word to our families and our children and even labor to witness the truth of the Gospel to those who need it and then look around and think we see little produce, little fruit, little positive outcome for our labor, is it possible that we might think that? It is possible, isn't it? And sometimes that, that hits us, doesn't it? We labor and we work and we, and we strive and struggle, and sometimes we think that there's no fruit, no produce, no positive outcome for all of our labor. It is possible that we might labor diligently in the ministry of God's church and yet think we see little produce, little fruit, but that's why Paul wrote what, he, what we just read. Listen to it again, 1 Corinthians 15.58. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The diligent, hardworking farmer labors for the produce that he knows he's going to receive. And I would suggest that the, the diligent, hardworking follower of Christ labors for the spiritual produce that we know, we know, we can be certain that if we serve for God's glory and for God's kingdom, there will be produce. Where we fail sometimes is we don't serve for God's kingdom and for God's glory. We serve for Kevin's kingdom and for Kevin's glory or for your kingdom and your glory, right? We serve for our own personal kingdom and our own glory. We kind of serve for selfish reasons. And when we see little produce, we think, what's going on? But God's Word promises. Promises that there will be fruit when we're doing the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, when we serve for the Lord's glory and for the Lord's purposes, our labor is not in vain. There will be a harvest. Let's remember that our hope does not rest on being successful. Nowhere in God's Word will you find a verse that says you are called as God's children to be successful. We are called to be faithful. And we are to leave the results in God's hand, aren't we? Our hope rests in being faithful. Be faithful for the Lord's sake. And we labor for God's glory. And we do not labor in vain. We're not wasting our time. Why not? Because there is eternal life and there is a crown of righteousness for those who give their lives to Christ. Romans chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in 2 Timothy 4.8, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Those who love the Lord and look forward to His return or the time that they'll meet Him and they're called home. There is much reward. There is much blessing for those who remain faithful. And faithfulness is what Paul calls Timothy to and calls us to as the church. Back in verse 2 when he said, look at verse 2, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see, the diligent, hard-working Christian is faithful to his Lord and Savior. He or she is faithful day in and day out. Faithful, daily faithfulness is what's required of us. And this takes daily commitment, doesn't it? It takes daily review of where we stand with the Lord, whether we have unconfessed sin in our lives that's hindering our relationship with Christ that needs to be confessed. Daily attention to whether or not we're living for Christ or for self. That's why it's so necessary for us to spend time in prayer and time in the Word to help recenter ourselves on God's purposes for our life. And I might add that no one gets this perfect all the time, every day. None of us gets this right. Every day, all the time. But it is a daily, a daily challenge for us, a daily thing that we must face. I think that's why Paul says this in verse 7. Look at verse 7, would you? I think that's why Paul says this in verse 7. I th- think over what I say. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Note that the understanding comes after the thinking over. The understanding doesn't come before the thinking over. Right? He doesn't say, Timothy, just take it easy, sit on your hands, the Lord will give you understanding. And then think that over, okay? He says, think these things over, meditate on these things, you'll see that these things are true and necessary, and the Lord will give you understanding if you will apply yourself diligently. I challenge you, I encourage you to take God's Word from this place into your week and diligently seek to be reminded of these things in the week ahead. Even open the passages that we've just been through this morning, just these seven verses, and read them over each day. And ask God to give you insight and understanding into His Word to help you know how you should live for Him that day, that day, every day. Because none of us gets this right all the time. We all need to do this. Every one of us needs to be saturated with the Word, yielded before the Lord, and praying that His Holy Spirit will help us and strengthen us and give us His wisdom. Think over what I say says Paul, for the Lord will give you understanding and everything. A very large part of what it means to be a diligent, hardworking, and motivated, faithful worker for Christ is thinking on and meditating on and applying to ourselves and taking very seriously and personally the things that God is teaching us in His Word. He has blessed us with His Word. Do not neglect it. The believer must be hardworking. The believer must be diligent in his or her faith. But I want you to know this. I want you to be encouraged by this. But God God also does a work, a supernatural work of strengthening and empowering the believer. You see, the, the, the follower of Christ, what's true of the follower of Christ is that they have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to empower and equip and embolden. 
The implication is, is that if you aren't a follower of Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You don't have God's power dwelling in you to help you do what we've been talking about this morning. And so I would challenge you, if you're here this morning and you have not realized that you're a sinner in need of saving, if you've never come to the point where you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing that you are a sinner and, and telling the Lord in prayer that you believe that Jesus died for your sin and asking for His for forgiveness, if you've never done that, I, well, I would implore you, I ask you to do that today so that you might have the indwelling presence, the strength, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit working in you so that when you go to the Word and you hear the Word preached and you go to the Lord in prayer, you have His power helping you be diligent, helping you be a hard-working, faithful follower of Christ. That's for all of us. We need that reminder that the work that God intends for us is often a supernatural work that He works in us that I really can't even explain. I'm not even going to suggest that I know how that works. Let's not mess with it, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The Holy Spirit will do a work in you if you will do what He requires of you, and that is be faithful, be diligent, be hardworking, go to the Word, go to Him in prayer, be faithful to Him day in and day out. Be faithful to Him, and He will supernaturally do His work in and through you, just like we saw Him. Paul talking, it's not me. In my weakness, I'm strong. I don't know how it happens, Paul says. In my, I'm weak, I'm frail, I'm, I'm a sinner. And yet God chose to use me. And by His grace, He empowers me and equips me. It's by God's grace that we're equipped and empowered. Our strength as followers of Christ is very much a supernatural working of the Holy Spirit. But we are called to be faithful. We are called to live for Christ, for God's glory, so that others who need Christ will know the gospel that we preach is true because they can see that it's true by the way our lives have changed. We live for Christ like the long-suffering soldier, like the self-disciplined athlete, and like the hard-working farmer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning and I ask, I pray, God, I pray that you would help us to yield before you. Lord, I I'm certain that in a room uh, this size with the number of people we have, that it's very likely that there are, there are those who are resistant to this message of their need for the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives. I'm sure it's possible and very likely. So God, I pray that you would do, do the supernatural work of revealing yourself to them, revealing your truth to them, helping them realize that these things are true. Those who would Reject Your Word, Father. I pray that You would tear down the barriers of their heart and help them to pray even now, asking that You would forgive them of their sins, help them to confess that they are sinners in need of a Savior. Lord, help them to pray now, asking to be saved from their sins, forgiven of their sins, because they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Open their eyes, Lord, spiritually. God, I pray for your, your own children, your, those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who come to your word at times and say, yeah, but, yeah, but, I know the word, but. Or we hear the word preached, and sometimes we, we resist what you long to do in our hearts. But we resist, and so you're not going to force yourself. Lord, I pray that you would help us to yield to you. As we've opened the word together, help us to yield, help us to realize that we need the word daily. Lord, help us to go to you in prayer asking for your wisdom and your strength and that we might understand and that we might live for you faithfully. 
God, I pray, recall to our thinking these Scriptures that we've looked at this morning in the days ahead. Burden our hearts for Your Word. Give us a hunger and thirst for Your Word and for prayer and for a yielded attitude before You, Lord. I pray that You would bless us as Your people as we yield before You. Lord, I know that we can't expect Your blessing if we refuse to yield to You. So Lord, help us to see and understand the importance of, of doing so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.